0: This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community, inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. Good morning. Good to see you. Of course, at my age, it's just good to be seen anywhere, but uh, we're glad to be with you this morning and excited uh, and uh I know that there are many things that are in store for you today. You've got a lot of decisions to make. Uh, But uh, I want you to understand that the church is people. When we were little, we learned this little thing. Here is the church. Here is the steeple. Open the door and see all the people. But that's wrong. The building isn't the church. People are the church. So the way we should have learned it was, here is the building, here is the steeple, open the doors and see the church. You understand? Anywhere on the face of the earth, there's God's people, that's the church. And you are the church. And uh, the most important thing about being churches is that you are people who have a common fellowship. You are called out together to follow Jesus Christ. And you do it together as people. And that's what makes you the church. Building, owning one or not owning one doesn't make you the church. What makes you the church is that you are the body of Jesus Christ. So uh, I don't know what all's in store, I don't even know what's in your heads, I don't even know what decisions you will make today, but I want you to know that throughout history the church has always remained intact. It has always survived. It was met originally in homes, it met in synagogues, it met in buildings, the earliest church building they uncovered was a home that was converted, and it even had a baptistry in it. Uh... There was uh, the times of persecution where the church was met in the catacombs of Rome. Wherever God's people met, the church went on because Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Church has always gone on and church always will. And God has a great future in store, you know, for the church. He is always working for the church. And I believe that the church can do extraordinary things if they just let God lead the way. And that's the most important thing. Let the Holy Spirit lead you, guide you, direct you, and God will build the church. Uh, But as I've said, being the church is a call. Uh, The word church means in the Greek, the called out ones. It was a term used in the Roman Senate when the senators would get together to convene. They called it the Ecclesia, and that's the Greek word that's translated church in our Bibles, and it means called out ones, and Jesus used it to say, I will build my church. You will be the called out ones, together into one place. Where two or more gather together in my name, Jesus says, there am I in the midst. So, Jesus called people to come and follow him and to be his disciples. And uh, it's important that we know what it means to be a disciple, because that's what's really making us the church, is being a disciple. You know? Uh, There's a little uh, text, and I'm kind of going to do a little theme here for the next four weeks, but uh, we're going to talk about the Great Commandment. You've heard of the Great Commission. But the great commandment is what Jesus uh, shared with uh, his disciples and those who are asking questions. Uh, what is the greatest commandment? What, what would be the one thing we need to do if we are really going to follow the Lord? If we're really going to do God's will, what is the one thing we need to do? In Mark chapter 12, um, verse 29 Jesus answers that question, and he says the foremost or the primary thing, the most important thing. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. And The second is like to it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. This is the word of the Lord. Open it to our minds, Lord. Open it to our understanding. We give thanks for the word in Jesus' name. I had a friend named Mario Seriglio. He was a Catholic priest and he was from Rome, Italy. You know, I always accused him of being a spy from the Vatican He pastored St. Mary's Church in in Chillicothe, and he kind of shook it up because he wasn't typical. He had at Saturday night mass testimony meeting, and when the testimonies were done, he got up and shared the gospel and gave an invitation for people to come forward and receive Christ as Lord and Savior. He was on fire. Uh, He eventually was called to take the big parish in Columbus, Ohio, and he made the front page of the dispatch because the first thing he did was throw out casino night. That's who Father Mario was. Uh, One time, Father Mario said to me, Brother Steve, there is nothing you believe that I don't believe. That was pretty a big thing to say. But I asked Father Mario one time, tell me about this little cross thing that you guys do all the time, you know, how do do you see that? He says, well, we were always taught and taught in seminary that you shall love the Lord your God with all of your mind, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your strength. And he says, I was taught early on from the ancients that they said if you would do that then you would truly be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Love God with all of your mind, all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. It's important for us to recognize that. Well, I'm not going to talk about all four today. I'm talking about this week, the heart. Next week, we will talk about the soul. And the following week, the mind, and then loving God with strength. But today I want to focus on the heart. That's the biggest problem we have in following Jesus is the heart. Because sometimes when you ask people to do something, they don't do it well because their heart, we say, isn't in it. Am I right? And Sometimes we recognize that for us to do anything and do it well, we have to care about it. We've got to love it. It's got to matter to us. But sometimes we have heart problems. Yeah, we have heart problems. In fact, in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, we pick up a heart problem. The children of Israel had had a heart problem. You know, they've been in church for all their lives, their whole history. And being in church all that time gave them a heart problem because they began to grow too familiar with the things of God. And their hearts grew harder and colder and more callous. So Ezekiel said, that in verse 24, "'For I will take you from the nations "'and gather you from the lands "'and bring you into your own land. "'Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, "'and you will be clean, "'and I will cleanse you from all of your filthiness "'and from your idols. "'Moreover, I will give you a new heart "'and will put a new spirit within you, "'and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh.'" and give you a heart of, I mean, from your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statues, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. There's another scripture that kind of comes along with that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5, and it says, And may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God, and the steadfastness of Christ. May God guide your hearts into this understanding, this expression of steadfastness, solidity, patient endurance, as our scripture says, in Christ. This is important to recognize that sometimes our hearts get brittle and hard. Sometimes we've been hurt by people. Anybody been there? Anybody ever felt rejection? Maybe people said things about you. Maybe you came to church and things went sour or bad. Your heart got broken. Maybe the preacher didn't shake your hand. Oh, Lord. You know... We sometimes experience things that are painful, and we have a tendency to harden up. Any person, lover that's been rejected, sometimes retreats into a shell and, and hides and say to themselves, I will never let anybody hurt me again problem with that is, is you're building a crust around your heart, and if nobody can get into it, then your heart cannot get out. You can't love others as well as you do not permit yourself to be loved. Anybody who wants to love without pain, better run to the farthest mountain, as far away from people as you possibly can, and try to be alone, and find something That is an inanimate object to love because if you're going to try to love or be loved, you're going to be hurt. And, And you just have to realize that that's part of caring about people. If you've ever lost a loved one, you know the pain and the separation it brings to your heart. And some people say, oh, I wish I didn't feel this way. I say, thank God you feel this way. Because it tells you how much that person mattered to you and how important they are. We have hurts and we have pains, but God has given us our tears. Our tears are God's own anointing oil to heal the heart. And as we cry and as we weep, as we grieve, we heal. People sometimes like to stunt their emotions, don't want to feel. I say, feel whatever you feel, but don't put your feelings in the driver's seat of your life. Let your feelings just be feelings. If you want to cry, kick, scream, do whatever, but don't put them in the driver's seat because otherwise you might get mad at somebody and run them down. You understand what I'm saying? You know, if you let your feelings get in the driver's seat, you, you might hurt someone or hurt yourself. Don't put your feelings in the driver's seat, but give them permission to feel, kick, cry, scream. Write letters, even if you don't mail them. But feel what you feel, get those feelings out to keep your heart healthy. You see, the heart sometimes struggles because... It is in conflict with the mind. And what the heart basically is, is the very place where the mind, the will, and your emotions meet. That's what the ancients called the heart of the man. So where your will, what you decide to do, what you feel, what, how you react to situations and circumstances, and what you think, where they all come together, that's your heart. So if you've got your feelings here and your mind tells you, well, would that person say that to me? Then you'll say, ah, they must not be, they must be mad at me. Did you ever read stuff into what people say and do? I mean, sometimes we, we overthink it. We think they're thinking something that they may not be thinking at all. You know? I remember in one church service years ago, we used to have people get up and testify, and sometimes they'd say pretty awful things. Uh, I remember one fellow got up and said, Brother so-and-so, I have to confess in this service, I've hated you for 30 years. (laughs) Brother so-and-so said, I didn't have a clue. He didn't know that. But that man had read all this stuff into how this brother acted as if it was rejection of him. He had never even given that man a thought. Sometimes we read into what people say and do and our, our reading into it is false. Because what we're doing is projecting our own issues onto them. You, you understand? And then if we mix that up with the will, then we, we avoid them, we punish them, we, you know, we get all mixed up. The heart has to grow pure. The pure in heart, the scripture says, will see God. That's a person whose heart is at rest. And, and the heart of the person has to grow to a place where we allow ourselves to be OK with people being different. Have you noticed people are different? Turn to the person beside you and look at them and say, "You know, you're different." We're different everybody's different you know and nobody comes from a perfect home every home is a little dysfunctional <laughs> to some degree i don't care how good it looks on the outside you got some dysfunction there and it's going to come out you know so you when you bump into each other in life why well, those dysfunctions come to the surface I always tell people that relationships don't create problems. They just reveal problems. Do you understand? When you get married, you bring all of that baggage from your previous life into that marriage. And you start unpacking it. Now, you keep it in the suitcase till you get married. You know, you don't let them know everything. But once you get married, finally the line's signed. You can't get out that easy now. So now I'll start unpacking this stuff. And all of a sudden these issues come to the surface. Hmm? And when they do, we find out what we're really dealing with. So remember that. Relationships don't create problems. They just reveal problems. Let me give you this piece of advice too. And everybody I counsel when I marry someone, I always say, if there's one gift I could give you, it would be this. And I want to give you this gift today. Whatever anybody says, don't take it personal. You say, well, how can you do that? I mean, how can I not take what people say and do personally? Because whatever anybody says or does tells us as much or more about them than it does us. If your wife says to you, uh, I don't think you love me anymore, or I don't feel like, a woman won't say "think." she'll say, I don't feel like you love me. Uh, she's not telling you whether she, you love her or not, but men will get defensive immediately, and they will say, I don't think you should feel that way right? Am I, am I hitting it right? Yes. Say amen or ouch. <laughs> uh, and so if that's true, then the thing that we have to remember is, is that um, she's telling you, if you would listen, men, and, I, and this little piece of advice will make your wife think you're a genius. And men have a really hard time doing this, but Don't take it personal, don't get defensive, man, but replace your defensiveness with curiosity and say to your wife, I'm curious, tell me why you feel that I don't love you. Now, why would you say that? She said, I feel like. She's not telling you about you, she's telling you about herself. I feel like you don't love me anymore. Well, be curious. Please, I'm curious. Tell me why you feel that way. And if you actually listen to her, she'll think you're a genius. You'll get a medal that says, best husband ever. He actually listens. (laughs) So, it's important to recognize that when people say or do things, they're telling us a lot about themselves and projecting their issues onto us. Don't take it personal. That doesn't mean everything that somebody says isn't true about you. Some of it may be, some of it may not. It's just the fact they're telling you more about themselves. What your job is, is to keep your heart clear and not worry about what they think, but worry about what you and Jesus think concerning your heart. How does your heart stack up before the Lord? You know? Are you passive aggressive? Do you find ways to work around and make people pay for what they say or do with them not even having a clue they've said or done anything? How do you address your heart issues? You must bring your heart and love God with your heart. You must bring your heart before the Lord and say, Lord, I give you my heart. Search me, David said. Show me if there's any hurtful way in me. Try to help me, Lord, to clean up my act, my heart, and to live in a harmless way with others. I don't want to hurt other people. I don't want to make other people pay or punish them. So, Lord, look into my heart. I give it to you. That's the thing you have to watch. The Old Testament tells us in Isaiah that the heart is deceitfully wicked. It can can lead you astray by itself. That's why you've got a brain to help with your heart. It's why you've got a will to help you to decide to do right things in spite of the way you feel sometimes. So you have to watch the heart. Guard the heart. Otherwise it becomes hard. It becomes brittle, and you need a new heart of flesh. preacher had preached on that passage from Ezekiel many years ago, and a little girl and her mother went to church because dad never did. And the preacher had talked about people's hearts growing hard and cold and and falling away and church not mattering anymore. And she ran home, climbed up on her daddy's lap and said, Oh, daddy, feel your heart. Feel your heart. You have to do that for yourself. Fill your heart. How is it? You need a heart checkup. You need to check to see whether or not you're allowing it to get too hard. The Thessalonian passage tells us that God wants to direct your heart into the love of God. You know? into the patient endurance that comes from Christ, into that solidity of Christ, steadfastness. That means being able to say, hey, I'm not thrown this way or that way, but I can patiently endure and walk through the moment and be steadfast in Jesus because my heart is there. It's an important issue because to love God with all of your heart, most of us don't start out. He didn't ask you to love him with half a heart, but all of it. It's not easy to do because you start out loving God with as much love as you have. But he keeps calling you deeper, deeper. The Lord will lead your heart into a full, complete understanding. He will grow your heart you didn't start out that way. I certainly didn't start out that way. Um, Both of my parents were alcoholics. I think I may have mentioned that, but uh, when I was uh, two years old, I got polio in my right leg. And I don't have a calf muscle to this day. In fact, they didn't think I would ever walk. My leg was in a brace. And... uh, uh, It was just kind of a tough situation, but my memory goes way back, and I have memories all the time when I was little, and uh, I can remember my mom taking me to the doctor. My mom, again, she had a lot of issues, but she would stop the car to throw up and turn and say to me, I can't bear to look at you because you make me sick. My mother and I never had a good relationship growing up. I don't remember my mother ever holding me, ever cuddling me, any, any kind of thing like that. Created a heart problem for me. When I was a little boy, I'd run the sweeper in the house and clean it up. Four or five years old, I'd be running the sweeper and say, look, mommy, see? I mean, I know I'm not perfect. I know that there's nothing I can do about the way I look, but I mean, well. Yeah, you understand? But it was never enough. When I um, got married, my mother would write letters to me that were pretty awful. My wife could tell you she read those letters and she would just hand them to me and say, I am so sorry, so sorry. But I never knew anything different than that. I didn't know mothers cuddled their sons or held them or loved them. But my heart did. My heart was broken. When I went into ministry, I was one of those pastors who would say, look, I'm not a perfect pastor, but look, I run faster and I jump higher and look at how much I do. Uh, Can you love me? Do you understand when you're trying to get conditional love and don't realize God's already given you unconditional love? But you believe you're not okay. In my heart, because of my mother's rejection of my leg, there was nothing I could do to change the way I looked. I walked like this as a kid. I had surgery when I was 16 that changed it, but this is the way I walked when I did walk. Nothing I could do about that. I felt like Quasimodo, the hunchback of Notre Dame. And that had gone on for years and years, and I sought all kinds of answers and everything. Um... But something remarkable the Lord did for me just a month ago, a little over a month ago, I went on a mission trip to Honduras. Didn't know why I was going, wasn't my idea. Somebody wanted me to go, they thought I should go uh, from Wilmington, Ohio, and they said, Pastor, if we pay your way, will you go? I said, all right, I've always said to the Lord, you open the door, I'll go. Sometimes that's been an open door in an airplane at 10,000 feet to jump out with a parachute, but I've done it whenever that door's open. But so I went. It was not a good time to go. I'd just hiked the week before up Mount Leconte in Tennessee, beat my legs to death. I'm limping around. Now I go to Honduras, and it was the hardest mission trip I was ever on. But on Sunday morning, we went to the, what, can loosely be described as a hospital, where a bunch of pregnant women were. We ministered to them, and then we met up with a bunch of pastors at noon for a worship service. And we were supposed to share, and they were worshiping Jesus, and the praise and the lifting up of the Lord was going on. Holy hands were in the air, and they were rejoicing in God, seeking the face of Jesus. And they started, pastors, unashamed, you know, I need prayer. Somebody pray with me. Pray with me. And I don't know why in my head in Spanish I just kept saying, uh, and I'm, you know, I don't speak Spanish. I speak Spanglish, which is a combination of Spanish and English. But I just kept saying, Oración para mí, the prayer for me, the prayer for me. And I don't know why I kept saying that in my head. And with my eyes still closed, somebody walked up, laid their hand on my chest, and began to pray for me. This is the truth. God reached his hand down out of heaven and healed a spot of pain so deep in my heart that finally, after all these years, I was able to release my mother And release the rejection that she had for me. I wasn't sure if it was going to last. (laughs) You know, have you ever had those experiences with God? It felt really good and great at the time. And then after a few days, it wears off. But it hasn't. It's just gotten deeper and deeper and deeper. Till it's now a truth that I stand in. The Lord has healed my heart. I don't know whether there's been a pain in your heart that needs to be healed. But there's one thing that I know is the Lord can do it. He can heal it. So this morning as we close this service in prayer, I want you to stand with me in response to the message And I want you to look into your heart. It says in Deuteronomy that the Lord says, The Lord will scatter you among the nations where only a few of you will survive. But in a foreign land where they worship idols, I'm not sure we've got all of that right. Go to the next verse. But from there, you will search again for the Lord your God. And if you search for him with all your heart and soul, you will find him. Search for him with all your heart and your soul, and you will find him. He will heal your heart. With heads bowed and eyes closed for a moment, If you've had your heart broken and you know that there's a spot in your heart where you need healing, will you just raise your hand for me? Bless you and you and you and you. Yes, yes, yes. Many hands, many hands. I want to pray for you this morning. Many of you have experienced this kind of pain, this kind of an ache, and so... If you'd be willing right now, even before we sing, if you've raised your hand, and maybe you didn't, and you know you need to, I want to anoint you and pray for you. Would you just slip out from where you're at and come down here and stand here with me and let me anoint you, and then we will have a prayer of time together, and then we will sing and worship. Will you step out and come this way? Come now. Yes. Amen. Come join me. Your heart's been broken. Amen. I anoint you in the name of Jesus. For the healing of your heart. I anoint you in the name of Christ. That he will bring peace to your heart. I anoint you in the name of Jesus. That he will mend your heart. I anoint you in the name of Jesus. That he will bless your heart. I anoint you in the name of Jesus. That his strength and grace. Will be upon your heart. I anoint you in the name of Jesus that you will feel the nearness of him. I anoint you in the name of Jesus that God's grace will minister to you. With heads bowed, eyes closed, if you want to be in this prayer, just lift your hand. And I'm not looking to see it, but just lift it before the Lord and say, pray for me. Oration per me. Let God touch your heart. Holy Spirit of the living God, I pray that even now you will reach your hand into these who have come forward and been anointed and that you will reach deep into their hearts and bring them a deep and settled peace, that they will feel the nearness of you, the warmth of your presence, the tenderness of your love and know that you love them right well. Let your love go deep into their heart. Let them know that you are healing it and that all is well. Give them the peace that passes all understanding and gentle their condition by the gentleness of your spirit. Oh, I thank you, sweet Jesus, for the nearness of you this day and the healing touch that you bring to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Peace be to you. Let's sing.